chromosomes. Little strands of nucleic acids and proteins are the fundamental genetic instructions that tell us who we are at birth. Most people are born with 46 chromosomes, but each year in the United States, about 6,000 people are born with an extra chromosome, making them a person with Down syndrome. If you've ever encountered someone with Down syndrome, you know that they are some of the kindest, most joyful people you will ever meet. They truly have something extra. My name is Lisa Nichols, and I have spent the last 24 years as both the CEO of Technology Partners and as the mother to Allie. Allie has something extra in every sense of the word. I have been blessed to be by her side as she impacts everyone she meets. Through these two important roles as CEO and mother to Allie, I have witnessed countless life lessons that have fundamentally changed the way I look at the world. While you may not have an extra chromosome, every leader has something extra that defines who you are. Join me as I explore the something extra in leaders from all walks of life and discover how that difference in each of them has made a difference in their companies, their families, their communities, and in themselves. On today's show, we welcome Dan Robert. Dan is an author, the CEO of Willett & Associates, and the founder of hr to it Dan, I am so thrilled to have you with me here today. We've spent a lot of time together, and just every time I'm with you, I've come away a better person. Every time I'm with you, because I learned so much from you. So I am so excited to share who you are with our listening audience today. So thank you so much for making the time to be here. Very kind of you to say, Lisa, and it's awesome to be here. I've listened to a bunch of these podcasts, and I'm still wondering why you invited me, but I'm honored, and, <laughs> and I've enjoyed our time together, and love your energy. Love the energy you bring to everything you do, Lisa. I feel the same way. So we've got a lot to discuss today. So I mean, talk to us a little bit about how you grew up. Yeah, small town guy, uh, New Hampshire, you know, live free or die, right? And uh, had great parents. We were, uh, I would say, probably blue-collar type family, uh, hard-driving dad, so learned a lot from him in terms of work ethic, which I appreciate every day. Had an amazing mom who was opposite extreme, very kind, gentle, caring, listening kind of a person. So I was very blessed, very fortunate uh, yeah, in my upbringing. Well, so you are the CEO for Willett and Associates, mm -hmm. and you've been doing this for a really long time, but you're not that old. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Talk to us a little bit about that journey. How did Willett come into your, you know, what you're doing today? Yeah, so Willett and Associates, 35-year-old company, and uh, was founded by a very visionary gentleman, Paul Willett, and had this vision to develop the human side of technology. Right. So you think about this 80s, it didn't make any sense at all. And uh, we're very, very fortunate today to be in that sweet spot where technology and human capital are coming together. And that's the, uh, the sweet spot today around the globe. And so we're very fortunate to be in that, in that sweet space uh, today. Mm -hmm. So I have a phenomenal team, uh, New Hampshire, Seattle, and all over the country. And we're out working with Fortune 500 companies to help them really transform IT, transform their companies, really move IT up that maturity curve to deliver more strategic value. And to that point, you've done some research, right, with Babson. I love your IT maturity curve uh, right. that you've put together. And 
You know, there's several steps there, and you guys really do help them go from, they need to all be at 3.5. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, it's a four-point scale, and, and, and people have seen these from different sources. But this research was fascinating, 130 CIOs around the country, different industries. And what we found was that historically, it was more of a defensive play. IT was being told, move up the value curve, or we're going to outsource you. Today, it's more offensive. Our boards and our C-suite peers are saying, IT, we need you delivering value as a strategic partner and what we call the innovative anticipator, stage four, because with so much disruption, we need you looking out around the corner and coming back with ideas on how to orchestrate a new customer experience, how to drive new revenue, how to defend against disruption, how to be offensive in being a disruptor. So we know the stories of the playing field of all those amazing companies that are no longer with us because mm-hmm. they missed the missed those turns. And so the IT, the technology leaders had that opportunity to really become business drivers as what we call the innovative anticipator. And I know you've got lots of stories about companies that you have worked with that are truly driving the top line. I mean, they're driving new revenue for the company. It's not just keeping the lights on anymore. Yeah, it's so exciting. You know, I would say, you know, I'm feeling really generous today. Maybe 20% of corporate technology leaders are really moving beyond their comfort zone of keeping the lights on and business as usual. And they're really elevating their game and they're elevating their team, you know, and really building that muscle in their organization so they can show up and be influential. They're becoming trusted advisors. They're being looked at to be in the first meeting of every new initiative to help be that business driver first and a technologist second. And you're starting to see company IT groups rebranding and Mm -hmm. calling themselves technology, not IT, but technology. So yeah, big shifts out there and it's a very dynamic time. You know, I I say in the beginning of one of my books, Unleashing the Power of IT, I say there's never been a better time to be in the IT profession. And some people think that's crazy because of the pace Mm -hmm. and the complexity and the the speed of the speed of change. Mm -hmm. And you know, we're asking people to do things differently almost on a nonstop basis. But when you build that muscle in the organization, when you build those new skills, when you have a learning agility type culture, when you as an individual realize, I need to be learning every single day, it changes the equation, right? Mm-hmm. And it does become never to be a better time to be in our profession. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but it's if you want to stay in your technical comfort zone of five, 10 years ago, you're toast. Half-life of a skill today, Lisa, mm-hmm. 18 months. You're seeing a big shift in hiring. We used to hire for a ready now workforce. You know, I need you ready now to go do X. Now it's a shift to a ready able workforce Mm -hmm. because I know in two to three years, I need you to do other things, new things. So whole different mindset, whole different mantra. Right. And as I think about that, what Willette is doing, it's not necessarily IT specific skills. A company can send their people to a Python class. Mm. It is really what some people would refer to as soft skills, but truly the way you refer to them, Dan, is they are core skills. These are core skills. Can you talk a little bit about those competencies? You guys compiled a list of competencies. Yeah. If you remember that maturity curve I talked about earlier, the stage three and stage four organizations, those that are really high performing, world class, we just went back to that subset. We wanted to figure out, Lisa, what are they doing different? What's special about them? And we weren't looking for anything in particular, but we did find it was a set of core competencies that they were locked in on as they are thinking about building the muscle of their current organization, 
but as they're hiring their next generation Mm -hmm. of of workers. And Mm so it's technology, expertise, digital fluency, certainly one of 14, though. It's not 14 Mm -hmm. of 14, it's one. One, You know, it's things like we today, we need to be really good at business acumen. You know, we've got to show up as business people. We need to be influential. We need to be able to influence the decision-making, the conversation, Great IT leaders will call the baby ugly when it's a bad idea, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we haven't done a good job at that in the past. Right. We're change leaders. We're able to be more agile. We're able to be innovative. We bring leadership, whole different way of thinking, a whole different way of showing up, and a, definitely a new skill set. Yeah, so interesting. Well, and we'll maybe put some of that information even in our show notes so that, you know, if companies want to dive deeper, you know, they Please. can certainly do that. So talk to me a little bit, because I know you interview CIOs all over the country, and not just here in St. Louis, but all over the country, you have relationships. What do you believe, Dan, is the secret sauce that you see in the best leaders? And and mm-hmm. I think you call it the seven C's. And I yeah. would love for you to dig into that a little bit. Yeah, it's funny. One of your earlier shows, Jack Lanham. Yes. He had seven C's of trust. So, right. Uh, <laughs> uh, but our C's are very different, actually. So, you know, Jack had some really great insights from his interview. What I've seen over three and a half decades, Lisa, you know, in this business, every generation is a hype cycle. Every generation, there's the buzzwords, right? There's the things that are going on that are hot and timely, supposedly. But the best leaders, I find, cut through the noise. And consistently, I find they focus on the seven C's. And I've tested this with dozens of CIOs and business leaders, and they've said, that's exactly what we're going to do today. Mm -hmm. So just very quickly, you know, at the heart, it's customer centricity. And every business leader, technology leader worth their salt starts there, right? Mm -hmm. Know your customer. Amazon, their leadership principle, number one, is customer obsession. You know, everything flows from that. Everything flows from that. that. Number two, culture. Build that culture. Build that culture of learning, right? That's a big part of this journey. And align with that is cultivate. So how do we cultivate? It's all about talent. How do we know and grow our people? How do we engage and retain? How do we build that brand where we attract the best mm-hmm. people? Big deal. You and I talk a lot about yes, that, Lisa, do. offline. So I would say the next one would be courage. Business and IT is a tough business, <laughs> yes, and, it is. and it takes leadership courage, and it does taking a whole new mindset to know how to make bets today. You know, and if we don't take some risks today, and make some bets today, we're going to be the next blockbuster, right? right? Not to be overly dramatic. Right. Another one is change. We talked already about change. We have to be very good at leading change. We've got to take our people through the resistance and the cynicism that's out there. And take them on this journey. We need to take our companies and our business leaders and take them on this journey. It's all about leading change, getting people comfortable with change. Everything that's happening today is changing so fast, right? So having that muscle. And then the last couple would be around communication. So how do we become better at communicating our message, communicating a vision? Ted Colbert, phenomenal business leader. He's the CIO of Boeing. And his quote, one of my favorite quotes of Ted, if you don't like the narrative, change the narrative, mm-hmm. right? I just think it's uh, it's just so well-spoken. You know, Lisa, today in this world, we get exposed to about 10,000 messages a day. Just think about That's that. That's mind-blowing. Right? We have the ability to retain and remember about 12. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so talk about putting an exclamation point on the need to be better communicators. Average adult attention span today, 8.25 seconds. So we're trying to communicate in this busy world, things are moving fast, clutter, noise, right? So how to cut through that. The uh, last of the seven C's is collaborate. And we've got to think about collaboration 
as a technology organization, our only chance of being successful is to do it as one team. And you hear that mantra a lot. And you're even seeing it now extended externally outside of our companies. You're hearing about ecosystems, right? Strategic partnerships and ecosystems, broader collaboration. I would say there's probably, I call it a bonus C, probably underlines all of these, but it's curiosity. Oh. And and I have some CEOs that, that are kind of critical of me and they're like, you know, why is that a bonus? Because that's, if we don't have intellectual curiosity, if we don't have that curious learning mindset mm-hmm. as individuals, as organizations, we're toast. But, right. you know, I, I hope agree. that's helpful. But those no, are, wonderful. you know, AI and ML and blockchain and disruption and transformation, all these things, that's just the language du jour of this era. I mean, mm-hmm. five years ago, 15, 35 years ago when I started, it was a different language, but these best leaders cut through all that. Right. And that's foundational. And that doesn't change, right? right. The buzzwords may change, but those foundations like collaboration and communication, right. all of those things don't change. And there's so much packed in there. There is. There is. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Dan Roberts. Hi, everybody. I just wanted to take a second and tell you about something our team at Technology Partners can do for your business. We have spent over two decades partnering with organizations and helping them solve their IT needs from a 360-degree perspective. A huge part of how we solve those needs is by developing custom applications of all shapes and sizes. If your team is looking for software and an out-of-the-box solution just isn't right, it's time to consider how we might be able to help. Go to tpi.co slash custom apps and learn more about our awesome capabilities. Well, welcome back. Dan, let's talk about this. You and I have talked a lot about this, but you are seeing such an importance of HR and IT coming in alignment with one another. And there are even companies out there that have HR, IT business partners and how important that is. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's a really good point. And, you know, this goes back to the uh, the talent Achilles, right, and that human capital management and so what we're seeing, Lisa, is that HR still, in many cases, has the mindset of, why would I want to get assigned to IT? That's the short straw, mm-hmm. right? Where actually, it's the long straw. It's where the action is today. It's where the company is actually having the biggest impacts. So we've actually seen such a, a gap there that we started last year, an entirely new community called HR2IT. So the number two, HR2IT, mm-hmm. specifically for that individual in every Fortune 500 corporation and smaller who faces off to the CIO and the IT leadership team. We think it's such a vital, valuable role. In fact, I'm writing uh, some different articles for CIO.com under a blog called CIO Whispers. And uh, I'm running this series talking about the three unsung heroes for the CIO. This HR business partner is one of them. Is one of them, it's right. It's become so, so mm-hmm. valuable. And it's interesting because they're trying to show up at a high value in delivering for the CIO and really helping the CIO accelerate up that maturity curve. But they don't quite get all this that's going on in IT. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. IT doesn't quite get how do, how do I leverage, right? How right. do I leverage HR? So this community is really to bring this together, this peer group, and to help them elevate their game, elevate their profession and really their prominence and the the value they can have. Because if HR is impacting IT and IT is impacting the company, you get a pretty straight line there, right? Mm -hmm. So that would certainly be one of those three unsung heroes. Yeah, and you saw that there was a clear gap here. Clearly, yeah. And so that's very entrepreneurial. Well, that's what (laughs) we do, You see a gap (laughs) and you say, okay, how can we solve this challenge? So uh, that's great. So who are the other two unsung heroes? Yeah, the other two, maybe surprising, maybe not, but the other one... 
this goes back to one of the C's. It's around communication. And so uh, some CIOs are fortunate to have an IT communications leader as part of their team or assigned to their team. Mm -hmm. Some have actually built entire groups because this whole messaging has become so vitally important. One of the themes we see, Lisa, is with communication today, internal becomes external, external becomes internal, right? And so getting the CIO positioned in the right industry conference, the right magazine, earning the right awards for the company, Mm -hmm. that drives a tremendous pride in the organization and makes us realize, you know, our company is doing amazing things. And so sometimes that external is more important than the internal. You know, I, I, had right. a, I had a CIO recently tell me, she said, you know, Dan, the best way for me to keep a secret in this company, if I send an email to everybody, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so cutting through that noise, cutting uh-huh. through that clutter. And so that's two. And then the third one, and you and I have seen this, Lisa, with yes. the best CIOs, the chief of staff, you know, the chief of staff is no longer that what we think of as that administrative role is becoming a strategic role. It's developing one of my leaders, giving them exposure they would never get, helping them build relationships. They become a proxy for the CIO because the CIO is triple booked almost all day long. They are running running some projects that the CIO can't get to. They're doing a lot of important work. And then, you know, 18 months later, we spin them out and they become one of our key leaders. VPs or yeah, whatever. Exactly. Yes, in so, the organization. So I'd mm-hmm. say those are your un- unsung heroes that we need to really start paying attention to, investing in and being more intentional with. Well, we've got so much to talk about here. Uh, we could just go on and on. But you just recently wrote a book, The mm-hmm. Confessions of a CIO. Everyone should go out and get it. You got some tremendous insights when you wrote this book. And just maybe touch on a few of those. If you would, Dan. Sure. Yeah, I'll give a shout out to my co-author, Brian Watson. And he just convinced me to do another edition of that book. And so what we're doing is we we want to write about leadership in a way that helps the next generation elevate their game faster, not make the same mistakes. And how best to do that other than go out and talk to the best leaders. And mm-hmm. so we, we did that. We were very fortunate. And all but one that we originally approached said yes. And the, the one that said no was because she, her company just didn't allow that. And so we wrote some amazing stories. And what was interesting, Lisa, is we went back. Each chapter has its own personality about the CIOs, how they make decisions, how they failed and recovered. And, you know, they just made it pretty raw and real. We, we saw themes that cut across the different chapters. And some of my favorites would be answer the call. Every one of them had an answer the call moment, right? That big mm-hmm. call came. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's usually, you know, I need you to move cross country to take the global CIO role. I need an answer in 24 hours. I know you have a family, but, you know, it's those kinds of things. <laughs> right. And big, big call. But as we dug deeper, Brian and I dug deeper, It's we found that it's actually, before that, it's positioning yourself to get the call and preparing yourself. The preparedness, right? right. And, and it doesn't just happen. You know, people mm. think, it's, well, I just got lucky, I got the call. No, no, no. There's a lot behind it. So that's one of them. Another one, one of my favorite uh, is... You get the people right, you get the technology right, and so many organizations do it backwards. My good, dear friend, Barbara Cooper, she's a Hall of Fame CIO, Toyota, amazing, amazing person. That's one of my favorite Barbara-isms, and she's like, you know, you get the people right, you get the technology right. Another one is humility. You know, these folks are humble. And you see that, you know, some people are very prideful in their humility. You know, you know yes, what I mean? Right. Right? But these right. folks are genuine, and it comes through in terms of their self-awareness, in terms of their asking questions to learn. You know, there some of them talked about daily 30 minutes learning everyday discipline. And that's the mark of humility, mm-hmm. right? It's people talking in terms of uh, when things go well, 
You know, it's giving credit to others. And when things aren't going so well, they put it on me. And that's amazing. That's a good leader. Our, our good friend, Don Imholtz, yes, right, uh, introduced us Don. years ago. And uh, Don always led like that. And uh, one of my other favorite Don-isms goes something like this. And apologies, Don, if I don't get it exactly right. But he would always coach his people on projects and initiatives. And if things started going off the tracks, he said, if you come to me early, I can be your coach. If you come to me late, I can only be the judge. Right. And, you know. That is such wisdom there. Isn't it? It's so true. Isn't yes. It? But we're just so fortunate, Lisa, to be uh, able to spend time with these people and to understand how they think, how they lead, how they make decisions. You know, one of the other ones is you got to make the call. You know, you don't have enough data today like you did in the past. You might have 70% of the data you need to make a decision. You've got to go. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a bet the farm kind sure. of a decision. Yeah. But it goes back to C number one, customer centricity. When you are intimately knowledgeable of, aware of, in tune with your customer, you have a much better ability to make those calls, make the bets. And it is so true. I always say, if you need to know, if you want to know where you need to go as an organization, listen to your customer <laughs> yeah. because they will let you know. They will tell right. you. So Don't it's, overcomplicate it, yes, right? Yes, right. I remind myself every day, I'm not a hockey person, but Wayne Gretzky has the quote, I missed every shot I didn't take. And you know, we all have that voice in our head that will have 10 reasons why not to make the call, why not to make the shot, mm-hmm. to take the shot. Mm-hmm. And you know, I remind myself almost on a daily basis, Got to take the shot. Yes, for sure. Well, we've got a couple more things to talk about here. This is something extra. Mm. So talk to us about what you believe the something extra is that every leader needs. First, let me just say that I know this is dedicated to Allie, your daughter, Allie, <laughs> and what an inspiring young lady, oh, you know, thank so thank you. you. Thank you for her. What a, yeah. what a You've got gift. to watch her journey a little oh, bit, I haven't love it. you? <laughs> what a gift. Um, you know, so thinking about Allie and just this, this journey we're all on, I would say, a lot of things, but two plus one. So I would say a couple things just we've talked about, curiosity and anticipate, right? I think that is really separating leaders and people today. It's having that desire to be, turn every rock over, to be learning, to be curious. And when you build that muscle, that ability to anticipate, to look around the corner, use your secret sauce, whatever it is that you bring to the table and anticipate. I think mm-hmm. those are really big. But, you know, I think if I had to boil it down to one, Lisa, and this goes back maybe to my, maybe my roots, maybe, um, you know, some would call it servant leadership, probably more popular term, but I call it having a net giver mindset. Ah, I love that. You know, and I can point back in my career in my 30s, that was a long time ago, but I can point back to my point in, in my career during a recession where I just flipped the switch and people were hurting, people needed help, people need someone just to listen to them mm-hmm. and know that, hey, you've got a story, go out and tell it, let's help you with this. But being a net giver is somebody that is willing to say, how can I help you without any expectation of reciprocity? And also, when maybe there are times when you do get burned a little bit with that, it's going to happen, right. but not getting jaded, staying the course mm-hmm. and having that net giver mindset. I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's the right thing to do, but here's the thing. When you do give like that, you get so much more back. You I mean, it, right? you really do. I mean, right. it just feeds your soul when you know that you're helping someone else. Absolutely. So, you get it back tenfold, absolutely. You know, but don't expect it. 
Right. Know. Don't expect it. Right. And don't ever do it because of that. <laughs> right. 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 And I love that um, about you, Lisa, as you and I are traveling <laughs> and meeting people and I introduce you to new people. It's like, you're all about what can I do to help you be successful? I, I, I love that. Very good. Well, I'm going to give you the opportunity because I think you have a few really exciting things mm-hmm. getting ready to happen. And I want to give you the opportunity to talk about those. You know, it's an exciting time in our profession. And I'm so excited about a partnership that we have going on, rolling out this IT leadership development program. Uh, the CIOs of the St. Louis community and other cities are realizing technology is the engine. And if we don't have the leadership pipeline, it's not going to happen. And so, and like you said, it will run out of gas. The engine run runs out of, out of gas. gas. <laughs> you know it. You know it. Yes. So, yeah. So, really taking people through from multiple companies together through a cohort-based program and really bringing world-class leadership development to St. Louis, fostering a better peer network. IT people are terrible at networking until they know how to do networking. You know, So learning from their peers, learning from each other. And then, uh, as you know, Lisa, one of the secret sauces of this is the mentoring program. That's and right. So many people in this community are stepping up and saying, yeah, I want to give back. I want to I want to mentor that next generation. And the mentors are getting as much value as the mentees. Yes, we're hearing that a lot, right? Mm, exactly. We, yes, and so there'll be a reverse mentoring component to this thing. So we're launching our first cohort on June the 10th. We're excited to talk more about it, and you'll be seeing more on this as well. Well, Dan, thank you so much for being here. This has just been such a joy. So uh, safe travels back to uh, New Hampshire later on today, and uh, thank you for listening. Thanks so much, Lisa. Our show today is executive produced by Brian Muncy. Our technical producer is Daniel Williams. Something Extra with Lisa Nichols is a Technology Partners production. Copyright Technology Partners, Inc. 2019. For show notes or to reach out to Lisa, visit tpi.co slash podcast. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen.